My name is Victoria. I come from Ghanaian parents and grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a painter turned entrepreneur on a mission to empower Black women to step into their genius and make an impact. I have a vision for creative women to feel confident and powerful and let go of all the limiting beliefs holding us back from going all out and showing up. I'm also the founder of the Kindred Creatives Collective, where I host dinners and retreats to hold space for Black women to prioritize self-care, build a tribe, and feel inspired. I want a world where Black women artists are celebrated, valued, and paid more. My goal for this podcast is to help women of color build sustainable and purpose-driven practices. Every week, I'll chat with a boss who's making bold moves in her industry as a creative entrepreneur. After hanging out with us, you'll feel empowered to build your own creative empire. Now let's start the show. Did you hear about the Empowered Creatives Retreat? Well, imagine being immersed in the arts and culture of Ghana. Imagine being surrounded by like-minded, powerful, and creative women and being focused on your personal growth. Now imagine building an authentic tribe with fellow Black creative entrepreneurs. You get to experience all of this and more on the Empowered Creatives Retreat in Ghana. This life-changing retreat is designed to connect, empower, and support Black women artists who want to make a serious impact. So is this retreat for me? You might be asking. I got you, boo. I am hosting information sessions all February just so you can ask me all about the retreat. I'll be giving you the scoop about the traveling arrangements you need to make, give you the itinerary for the retreat, and answer all your questions. If you want to come to one of the sessions, follow me on Facebook or IG at Victoria Temple and shoot me a message. Or you can go to my website, www.kindredcreativesco.org and look up the retreat details. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Meet Chelsea Stevenson a full-time celebrated henna artist and business strategist. She started her business, Cardamon and Clove Henna, in her living room, and 10 years later owns a popular henna boutique in Baltimore. Chelsea also mentors creative business owners in her sister business, Henna Preneur, an online course and community. Chelsea believes that with the right resources, Every artist is capable of designing the life she desires. Chelsea has been a featured speaker at top HANA conferences and published in the Baltimore Sun, Baltimore Magazine, and BuzzFeed. In this episode, learn how Chelsea's purpose and passion collided for her to become a powerhouse that teaches HANA artists to build five-figure businesses doing the art they love. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, hey, how are you? Good. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to get to know you a little bit better. I know that I've seen you on in the club, but we haven't really talked, talked. So <laughs> I'm excited. Likewise, the feelings mutual for sure. Yes. So 
just a little background about how I met Chelsea. We are both part of this amazing club by Rachel Rogers, amazing coach. And she's a badass. I mean, she is doing the damn thing. And she is a creative. So I love talking to artists who have businesses, who are making their own paths, who are creating the life that they want. So that's what Chelsea is about. She's going to get more into her story, but you know, it really does matter the group that you're in. Because I don't think I would have met Chelsea if I wasn't in the club. So excited about this. Ah, likewise. It's, I'm, I'm super excited to, to be able to connect here. So thank you for inviting me. Of course. I like to start from the beginning of a creative story. And I know a little bit about you, but I know that you started off as a sh social worker, right? Right. Talk to me about how you got into your henna business. How did that, what did that, what happened there? How did that happen? <laughs> Were you always a creative? I, so yes, and also no, right? So I've always been very creative in my youth that manifested in me inside of the theater. I love to draw. I love poetry. I loved all the things. I loved to be on stage, but I didn't consider myself an artist in the you know, pen and paper, paint to body, headnets of whatever mm -hmm. at all, at all. I was, uh, you're right. I was, so I was a social worker. And at the time when I was working in social work, I was a single parent also. Uh, I had my son who at the time was very young. He was like under a year. And I had just moved from across country. I'd moved from the DMV area to Nebraska of all places. And um, when I got there, I started working with this mm. nonprofit. Yeah. So I get there, I start working with this nonprofit and I walk into the office one day and they let me go. I knew that they had a grant oh, no. that they used. Oh yes. It was horrible. So <laughs> I knew that they'd had a grant that they used <laughs> to bring me on, but I didn't realize. And I'd heard like conversations in the office around, around that grant, not maybe getting secured again and mm -hmm. yeah so I got let go and so I didn't have um I didn't have a ton of resources I didn't have I didn't have anything I didn't have community I literally upped and moved you know across country um to be there and but and and but I had this habit mm -hmm. of uh wearing henna for myself for self-care and so I I lose my job and I'm making my way through the grocery store. And I'll never forget this experience. I, I had $32 in my bank account and I've got my son in the front of the cart and I'm going around the grocery store trying to like do mental math and make sure that I can take this money and spread it out as far as I possibly can, because I right. don't know what's coming next. And when I got to the register, it was the woman at the checkout who it was this young lady. She's very, very nice. Very nice. But she starts like small talking me and she yeah. asked me about my henna and she's like, what is it? Like, I've never seen it before. And she's like, it's beautiful. Would you do it for me? And I'm literally just in this place where I'm just like, give me my total so I can get mm. the hell out of here. Like, I, <laughs> I need to go cry in my car. Right. <laughs> and I don't know, like what look must have crossed my face because she immediately finished up with no, like, I'll pay you. I'll pay you to do it for me. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll do it for you. Oh, wow. And that's how I started offering henna services. So it was definitely not something that I planned or saw coming at all. That is amazing. So that was your first customer. 
she wasn't even my first customer. Well, that's what's wild. You know what? I never actually did henna for her. And I used to go back to the grocery store and be like, and like nudge her. She never actually booked <laughs> with me. Yeah. But uh-huh. she was the one who planted the seed. And so what ended up happening is yes. I went home after that and I called a friend and I borrowed like 20 bucks to get like those cheap basic business cards from like Vista print or something. <laughs> and, um, and I mm-hmm. you know, print, print yep. all those cards and host this event called Henna in the Park. And it was, it was free. And it was like, listen, all you have to do. And I went to social media and put this everywhere. I'm like, all you have to do is meet me in the park. Come, I will do your Henna for free. You, all I'm asking in return is you take one of these cards and if someone asks you where you got it done, you share it with them and you let me post those pictures on social media. And that was it. And I had bookings coming into my phone, you know, via text message and whatnot before I left that event. It was wild. I love that story. And your (laughs) business kind of blew up from that, just from that, that one person who asked you. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. And so after that, you started to do it a little bit more. At that time, it wasn't quite a full-time business, right? You no. kind of transitioned into that. Tell so, me about that path. Yeah. So, well, at first, so my thing was, because I was approaching my art from a place of necessity and not a place of passion, I immediately mm-hmm. st- treated my business like a business. Like I was not playing games. I mm-hmm. knew... I had rent due. I still had bills to pay. <laughs> I still had food that I had to purchase my right. dad. You know what I mean? So um, even within that first, I want to say within that first 60 days of starting to offer these services, like I was profitable. I Like I was in the black. It was not a question. Um, but for me, so it wasn't mm-hmm. even a matter of like, can I do this? But I had a lot of uh, reservation around do I want to do this? Like we were talking to someone who like, I went to school. First of all, I went to school mm-hmm. to become an interpreter. Now I'm, in, I, you know, I, I work in social work. I work in the field for all these years. And then I'm in this position where now I'm hustling henna out of my living room. Like that's a big change. Mm-hmm. And, and I was so embarrassed about it. I was so embarrassed about it. I did not feel like it was right to call myself an artist. I felt like so fraudulent. But it was a matter of necessity. So Mm -hmm. um, that was honestly my biggest, my biggest holdup. And so what ended up happening is I worked like that, just doing henna for a number of months. And then I went back into social work, this time working for the state. Um, Instead of going nonprofit, I was like, I'm just going to go government. Like we don't want to make it work. We want to be a little more secure. And I got there and I worked for a number of years doing both. I'd be using like my personal time, my sick days, yes, to hustling. Pay my client, yes. And I would, I would, because I was in rural Nebraska, I would travel. It was like three and a half hours away from Denver. And I would travel every other weekend and I'd travel and I'd go to Denver and I'd book a hotel room and I would do henna out of the hotel for that weekend and then come back. And I found, I'm like, I'm making more money that. doing that. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. It was wild. Yes. So I'm, I'm like having these sorts of experiences during that time, those, those couple of years, I, I got married and we found like we're pregnant. And my son at that point has been like ready to go mm-hmm. into school. And I decided I want to homeschool. And we also decided we're moving mm-hmm. to Texas. And 
I'm like, if I'm going to do all of this, I'm 33 weeks pregnant. Like if I'm going to do all of this, I'm not going to go back and try to work for someone else. Like I'm just going to go all in. So it was 2011 that I started with that first event. And it was 2014 when I decided to go full time. So that's like what happened in between. (laughs) Oh my God. That is a great business. Like a great starting of how you started your business. I love that story because it, it says a lot, right? First of all, I'm also a painter. So I understand the just the imposter syndrome you have to not feel like you're good enough or that you can sell your work or that people will like it. And to hear that you you felt that way too, I feel like that's so relatable, but you just gotta push yourself and like follow your instincts and it will work out. And I feel like that's what you did. And that's that's really inspiring. Ah, thank you. No, it is, you know, we. I feel like we all have that, that imposter syndrome kicks yes. in. And- for me, I was like, listen, I can feel that way all day long, but you better believe that I'm going to hustle this head out here because yes, yes. They're like not, not mm-hmm. succeeding was mm-hmm. not an option. Yes. So. Yes. Amazing. And that's what I tell people who are like trying to figure out like what to do. You just got to start and see what happens. You don't know what will happen. You don't know if it's going to work, but just try. Right. And what I love about your story is that the more you started to do it, like the more you fell in love with it. Right. The more you knew that this is what, this is my path. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. That's, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. Yes. Thinking about your business and your work as a henna artist, what inspires you? What keeps you going? Because you've been doing this now for 10 years. Congratulations. That's a big deal. What inspires you? Thank you. Um, You know, so for me, while I started from that place of necessity, I did develop a passion for, for the art. But honestly, it's not even the art itself that keeps me going. What keeps me inspired and motivated and excited to work every day is my service to my clients. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's more about connection. Mm-hmm. My, my strongest core value, my foundational core value is legacy. And I very firmly believe that, you know, each of us is placed here on the planet with a, with a calling, Right. And I know that that sounds like really woo and like, I don't know, maybe that's like whatever, but I I feel like, yeah, I'm like, each of us has a calling. We have a purpose. And I believe that my purpose is one that ties, you know, directly to legacy. I, I believe that it's my, my purpose to leave everyone who I have an interaction with better than I found them. And um, so I make it a point to, while Henan, that, you know, that art is the means to the end and that's the medium by which and and through which I'm able to make those connections, it's the conversations that are happening in this space. It's the intimacy that's shared when I'm creating for my clients. It's the uh, the conversations that are had and the, the the emotions that are shared and the the privilege that I have to witness them in some of the rawest of moments. Mm. Um, that is what inspires me and keeps me excited. So. Yeah, that's, that makes that's, total sense, especially from your background as a social worker. I'm sure one of your gifts is really being able to relate and like have people feel really comfortable with you. And I feel that too, just talking with you right now, that it's easy to talk to you. There's something about you that like pulls people in. And 
I can see that like working in your henna business when you're doing the art on their hands or on their body and people are telling you things and opening up and you're able to kind of serve them that way, It'd be like a healing moment for them. And I think that's really beautiful because art is healing for me, but you represent that and just like you embody that really in everything that you do. Oh, I appreciate you saying that so much. It, you know, it's true. So often my clients, <clears throat> excuse me, as often my clients will come and the feedback that I get is, this isn't just henna. Like I don't come for the henna. I, I come for the therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, or this isn't just henna. This is a, <laughs> this is a whole experience that I was not prepared to walk into. Yes. And I'm so glad that I did. And it, it makes me so, so happy. Like I want to empower, I want to use my art as a tool for empowerment of the women around me, the women in my community. And so um, to be able to provide a service that obviously, of course, they have these, these designs on their body and they've got this wearable art that lasts them the two weeks or more and whatnot. Like that's great in and of itself. But what's exciting for me is how they look at themselves in the mirror before they leave and the way mm. that they hold their head higher after, you know, as I see them cross the, the threshold of the door or how they, you know, just how they, they, there's a shift that happens from when they sit down to when they, you know, get back up and they're ready to go on about their day. And that's what I, I'm so excited about. Yeah, Um, I love that. And I know your work is beautiful. I was like stalking you on Instagram and just watching some of your videos. And they are, I mean, you are really gifted. So I can see how people just feel like, like I would feel powerful with, with your work on my body. So I can see that. And I know just talking about your services, let's talk more about your business so people know exactly what you do. They can contact you. They can get, you know, your blessings with your work. <laughs> I know that cardamom and clove henna is your main business. Is that right? And then you have a henna preneur as a sister business or how, how do you see them working together? Can you talk more about your services? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I do. So this is it, right? So I, I talked already about for me, the importance of legacy and also empowerment. Mm -hmm. And so both of them play a a role in both sides of my business. So my business, while my 10 year old business, (laughs) that obviously like that's been around longer and that's all the things. And that's where I actually service clients with Henna. I'm here, I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. So if anyone wants to come and hang out and get Henna done, they're welcome to do that. You can find me everywhere at Cardamom and Clove Henna. But the second side of, of the, that business is I also, I teach Henna artists and I teach other creatives how to monetize their skill as a business strategist. And so I have a sister brand, Hennapreneur, through which I do that. And I have students all over the world who who look to me for mentorship, for education, for strategy around how they can harness their skill set and make bank doing it. For me, I'm so, my life has been changed by the, the opportunities that Henna has presented to me, being able mm-hmm. to work part-time hours, homeschool my three kids, be able to serve clients. And had it not been for COVID, last year would have been my first six-figure year at the Henda Boutique. So yes, yes, I'm like, my numbers are representing. So I'm like, 2021 is my year. Like 2021 is clears its six figures. But Mm -hmm. you know, my life has been so changed by that, right? But just thinking of how I started Mm -hmm. and where I am now, And what's been beautiful for me is outlining and documenting that process and then being able to share that knowledge with other creatives and uh, not just Honda artists, but even social service-based creatives, um, how they can take that 
take what I've learned and apply it mm-hmm. to their own businesses. And so Headnopreneur is the means through which I do that. And um, even in that space, it's very much a place of empowerment for the artists and the creatives who I serve because I'm teaching them not only to you know, better optimize their businesses and strategize and automate the things and make their lives easier. But I also, I want them to lean into their own identities, right? I want them to uh, see themselves in a different way, in a new way, in a way that's more empowered, in a way that's more authentically them without fear or judgment or apology, right? Like there's so much of that. And for us, it's not only as creatives, but even as women and going even further into say as black women or women of color, which is the greater majority of henna artists, like it is so hard to find spaces like that in the world where it's safe. And so I'm like, no, here at Hennapreneur, not only is it safe, you're encouraged to be that person and do those things, but also I'm going to teach you how to do those things and make banks so that you can go home and like have a vibrant life with your family. So I love it. So important. So important. Yes. Because I also, I, I work with black women, artists, creatives, visionaries, designers. And the one thing that I hear all the time is I have this art that I love, but how do I make it profitable? How do I make it sustainable? How do I build a business around this, this thing that I love to do? Mm -hmm. And I think it's super important to like break that down because it's hard, right? Running a business is hard. Being an entrepreneur is hard and having someone who has gone through it from the startup and has kind of blown up the business, having someone like that show you the path. I think that's a huge deal for artists and so important. So. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Can I tell you? Oh, (laughs) I was going to say one of, one of the things. So in my own industry, one of the things that I noticed was the trajectory of the, like the average henna artist. Most henna artists will come into our field and they'll start working and they'll be super excited and they'll be like way enthusiastic and then they'll burn out because they aren't making any money or they're not being valued by right. their clients or their audiences are not responding. And within 18 months to two years, they are gone we do not see mm. them again. They disappear mm. and they leave their art to the side. No matter how you know passionate they were about it, they don't see how they can monetize it. I'm like, I find that totally and completely unacceptable. This is an art form, just like any art form that you can monetize yes. and you can make work for you. And so like my students, oh my gosh, the majority of my students who come through my program, first of all, like over 70% of them start to book new clients um, or make new sales within 30 days of working with me. But then- almost like over 50% of them, over 50% of them will open their own henna spaces within a year of working with me. And I want to say it was, we just did a review. Yeah. I just had a review done um, where I had someone come in and assess things with my students. And it was, I want to say it was 42% of them open up a brick and mortar henna boutique or henna studio within a year of working with me. And I'm like, this is people, and I'm not even talking about people who are, who've been doing Henda for a long time. I have a student who within the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? She picked up her first Henda cone mm-hmm. last year within the pandemic, opened up her Henda studio. So I'm like, nah, fam, you want to make money and you want to do it. Like, come and sit with me. We going to do the thing. Right. Like, I want to see right. more of us out here. Yes. Absolutely. You are the real deal. Like, let's get into this. Like, yes. y'all need to find Chelsea immediately. If you are even thinking of becoming a henna artist and want to have a business or any creative, really, because she works with creatives in general. Y'all need to find Chelsea. Look up, 
you know, Hannah Pernier, look up cardamom and clove Hannah because she is what's up. I'm serious. She's making people's, you know, dreams and become realities and out here living, living her Thank best you. life. So I love that. Talking uh, about, I, I'm really curious to know what would, how would you define success? Do you feel like you reached that point? Do you feel like this is something that you're constantly still evolving? What do you define success in your business, in your life? Oh gosh. So I feel like on one hand, I'm like, yes, I've, I've attained success. Like success for me is knowing that I'm living in my purpose, knowing that I'm doing the things that are well aligned with the person that I want to embody. Right. And, um, and I'm doing that today. Like I, every single day I wake up and I'm, I'm, I'm working in a way that's uh, in alignment with my values. I feel like I, I get to show up in the world authentically me. Like I love that. I get to be an example for my kids. And again, you know, coming back to that legacy piece, like I'm leaving them, they're witnessing me build this empire and I'm leaving them with this example that you can be and you can do literally anything that you want. You just have to work for it. And at the same time, at the same time, I'm like, well, also there are, of course there are successes. There are milestones that I'd like to reach that would, you know, Mm -hmm. be maybe more successful, quote unquote, more successful. But honestly, when I lay my head down on the pillow every night, I feel like, yeah, I've, I've reached success. Success for me isn't like, it's never been a, a, a dollar milestone. It's never been, do I have that house or that car or those shoes? Granted, I love wonderful shoes and I love wonderful earrings and lipstick and all the things. Right. But also like for me, I want to go, I want to go to bed every night knowing that I showed up and I did my very best. I want to know that I was an excellent example for my children, that I educated someone today, that I empowered someone today. And actually, I'm going to pause right there because I want to take that, that, that rhetoric back. Not that I empowered someone today because I, strong, I, I really have a strong value for we empower ourselves. And like even the women who I work with, I want them to know and understand and feel that they are empowered, like self-empowerment is what drives you to success. What I do is I create an environment in which, within which they can feel empowered. I create the space, Mm. then they come in and they do the work, right? Um, Yes, they already have the power. Yeah. Yes, a hundred percent. So, you know, knowing that I am creating those spaces and receiving that sort of feedback, not only from, you know, the spaces that I create at the, you know, Cardamom Club Henna Boutique, but also the spaces that I'm creating in the online world with Hennapreneur, I feel incredibly fulfilled. And if I like, if today were my dying day, and God forbid, right? I want to be along around for much longer. Yes, but if not today were my <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, but if today were that day, I think that I would I could close my eyes knowing that I have done well by this world and I have done well for my family and I have done well for myself. And I would be proud and I would feel that yes, this was a, su- a successful life that I've led. Mm. So yeah. Yes. Great answer. <laughs> Yes, because I feel like success is so objective, right? Everyone has a, a their different kind of meter, if you will, or like definition of what success is. But I honestly, I agree with you. I think that is just like, I think just like having joy, like having joy in your life is successful. Like being around people you love is successful. Serving people, making someone feel good. Like I agree with you. I think those moments are so important and they keep me going too. So yeah, it's it's a whole thing. 
<laughs> but then we do have these like we do have these things that like for me I am not a full-time artist yet I'm not a full-time entrepreneur yet and so I want to be go be in a place where I can do that and just like be more aligned with like my purpose and so I know that's like one of my goals but that doesn't mean that I'm not successful right now you know so I love that Okay, so my last question for you is really about advice because I feel like you have so much wisdom. I want to like, give me some, give me some of that gems. <laughs> so what advice would you give to a creative entrepreneur who's just starting off, who isn't quite sure if this is something that they can do, if it's sustainable for them? What's the wisdom for someone starting off? Absolutely. So, okay, if you're just starting off and you're not sure if this can be a thing that you can build and that you can sustain, there are two things. First, I understand oftentimes us as creatives, we work with one side of our brain. We're not so analytical. Like we, it's often we'll kind of put the things on the back burner that don't feel artsy and great and whatever. We got to stop doing that. Like <laughs> you got to stop doing that because if you can get the pieces, if you can get the building blocks uh, set up behind you, it's going to allow you more space to create. So for me, for example, Cardinal Club Henna Boutique is 95% automated. Literally what I have to do is check my bookings, mix my fresh henna paste and show up to create for people. I don't have to worry about That's the rest. Because, be. Yes. Yes. It is a machine that runs itself. And, but it didn't get there overnight, right? I had to build that. And so if right. you are serious about your art and you're serious about wanting to build a business that is sustainable, especially if you're someone who like many of us artists are solopreneurs, you have to lean into those, those uh, tools. You need to build out automation and you need to have as much back end support as possible so that you don't become overwhelmed with, the, with everyday like minutia. And it will allow for you to have more space in your creative capacity. Now with that handled, right? With that done, I would say the only thing that then gets in your way is you. It's all mindset after that point. So oftentimes what I hear in, in my students is, okay, I've built, you know, I built the foundation because this is something I require from them. I teach them exactly what to do. Um, I built the foundation and now I have to go get the customers, right? I have to go get the clients. Now what? That is where it becomes about you. And you can have every single tool in the tool bucket, but if your mindset ain't right, honey, you will not attract the right people and you will not bring people who are, who are willing to sit with you because art is an energetic exchange, right? So you have to be willing to be vulnerable and you have to yes. be willing to be authentic. And if you're not will, and I feel, I know that those are like really buzzwordy things right now. And I really do mean them as an artist, you it's are the true. only one who can birth the thing that you're birthing. It is from you. You have to be open and you have to be vulnerable and you have to be authentic. And if you try to be anything but that, you will fail. And so I think, you know, the, the advice that I would give for the person who's like, all right, I'm, I'm really willing to go for it is, all right, but how naked are you willing to be? Because as an artist, that's going to be what's required of you. So whatever it is that you feel like you have insecurities around, get real comfortable with it, lean in, start unpacking those things, because in order for you to, to be able to create a space where others are able to unpack with you, 
you have to you have to lead by example right Mm. so oh my god I just got chills yes it's true (laughs) we get in our own way and we stop ourselves from our own brilliance Yes. yes, but also the piece about like being vulnerable and open, you know, is really important because a lot of us are afraid to put ourselves out there because we don't want to get hurt, we don't want to be rejected, you know, what have you. But like, I feel like when, and this is something I'm still working on, so I'm not by any means, you know, a pro on this. But when you put yourself out there more, you're you're calling in people who really identify with you, right? You're calling in your tribe, mm-hmm. and it just it just becomes this beautiful interchange. Um, Let me that tell you, you don't get unless you put yourself out there. Absolutely, and can I tell you, fear of rejection is like my favorite flavor of self sabotage. Um, <laughs> So like, I get it. I 100% like, hello, childhood trauma. That would be right. This is how I do. And so, but at at the same time, we are, we're artists, right? So, and I literally, I I frame this and I reference this using that language around birth, because that is what we're doing. We are birthing something with Mm -hmm. our art, whether you're a painter or a writer or a musician, or you're doing henna like me, right? Like, it doesn't matter you are birthing something. And just like in the birth space, you have to be willing to bear it all. You have to be willing to be open. The time in which a birthing person is most vulnerable is the time when that person is also giving life, right? And so as the artist, it is your job. If you are going to bless this earth, with the skill and the, the craft and the unique ability that you have, you have to be willing to open up. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I know that it's harder perhaps said than done. I mean, it's definitely a muscle that we, that we learn to flex and, and we strengthen and become more and more comfortable with doing that. But as artists specifically, mm-hmm. if we're unwilling to bear it all in our art and in our creative exchange, we are doing a disservice to the world around us. So I, I really feel that. I agree so much. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Chelsea. Now, can people, can pleasure. you just share how people can get in contact with you? How can people book you? How can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you're local to me and would love to get henna done, I'd love to create for you. Absolutely. You can find me at cardamomclovehenna.com. Um, if you look up henna Bolt more I'm going to be like the first one to show up I'm the most uh highly celebrated henna artist in this in the DMV area so you'll find me very easily and if you're not local to the DMV and you're like hey I want to connect online hennapreneur is the way to go um I do have a program it's a 12-month program hennapreneur pro and that's the program through which I teach all of the things that I talked about today um but also for those who are like ah I'm not a henna artist or I'm not sure that I want to do a whole 12 months because my program, it is literally, it is like a cross between an MBA and an apprenticeship. So you learn everything within that year of how to Mm -hmm. start, launch, scale a henna business. But if you're like, no, I just need a little touch and go. I do offer VIP days as well for creatives, especially those who are outside of my niche. Um, Mm -hmm. And those are like a great way to, to uh, be able to work with me. So hennapreneur.com is it. Um, or you can find me on Facebook and Insta, Hennapreneur, Hennapreneur Official. Awesome. I will definitely yeah. have all your links in the show notes so people can get to you easy. And thank you so much. This was so much fun talking to you. And definitely let's stay in touch. Let's keep the connection going. Oh, I would love that. That makes me so happy. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. <laughs>
Of course. Anytime. I love it. All right. I will see you later. Thank you, Chelsea. Bye. Bye. See you next week. Same day, same time. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And send me a comment if you really like this one. And remember to uplift and support another woman creative today. Always remember to embrace your creative genius.